Take your Bible and turn with me to uh, Jonah chapter 2. It might take you a while to get there because it's not a super easy book to find in the Old Testament. Uh, so as you're, as you're turning there, I'm thrilled to be able to uh, talk to you about installment number two in this series we're, that we're calling Go Fish. We're exploring the lessons that, uh, we, that we can find in the book of Jonah. Now most of us, when we think of the book of Jonah, our minds naturally drift to the incredible tale of a man that was swallowed by a fish. And even though that yes is definitely in there, we talked about the last week, it's a captivating part of the story, but it's only a couple verses. There's so much more. There's so much, uh, so much uh, wisdom that is in there. As we delve, in that, uh, delve into the story, we'll uncover those layers of truth and transformation that that go way beyond just the, uh, what happened in the belly of a fish. Uh, today we're going to look at chapter 2. And we're going to find, uh, as Jonah now has been swallowed, he's in the belly of the fish, we're going to find his heartfelt prayer. Um, and we'll have some, some, some things that we can apply in our own life. This, uh, chapter 2, is really the turning point of the book of Jonah where God has been working in him, and we'll see uh, this pivot that he takes. Last week, we talked about Jonah, and Jonah, in the first part of the story, to just get you caught up, uh, Jonah had run away from God. God had asked him to go to Nineveh and to preach the message, a message of repentance to the people that uh, were living in Nineveh, uh, this area of disobedient, this, this disobedient people. Uh, he didn't want to do that, and so he ran the opposite way. And as he runs the opposite way, he gets on a ship and goes uh, the diff- a different direction, God sends a storm. Uh, at the end of that, uh, end of that uh, last week, we, uh, we were looking at chapter 1. In that storm, the other sailors were trying to figure out how to get through that storm. They had no other recourse but to throw Jonah over the side because they knew it was because of Jonah that this storm had come. So they throw him over the side. And we see that God is disciplining Jonah. And we see that sometimes our storms that we go through are as a result of our own choices. And we see that for Jonah, the result of his choices to ignore God and go the other direction. He's in this storm. But we also learn that sometimes that we're in a storm not because of something that we did, but because someone around us, because we're in a boat with someone else that made a dumb decision as a result of their, their choices, we're experiencing a storm. And so we saw both of those things. But we saw as Jonah is then swallowed by this fish We see in his story that God is disciplining him. And this discipline that God brings into his life was preparing him. God wants to do something in him to prepare him for something greater. Because sometimes God needs to do something in us before he can do something through us. This week we'll look at that and we'll be reminded that the discipline in our lives that God might bring has a purpose. He's... He, he's trying to do something in us. It's a, it's a loving process. He's not uh, trying to hurt us. He's trying to prepare us for some greater purpose that he has. In addition to just being reminded of that, and we'll see that in this, in this prayer that he prays, we'll also see that he finally, in his distress, gets to the point where he finally has a yet moment. A moment where in his distress, he finally calls out to God. In his despair, he clings to God. In the midst of his circumstances, he chooses to cling to God. He discovers hope even in the belly of the fish. And we'll learn 
as we experience our own challenges, our own times of despair in our lives, that we also can choose to put our hope and our trust and let God be our yet. We'll also learn as we look at chapter 2 what it looks like for us to exchange our worthless idols that we cling to in this life and to instead trade them for the grace, the love that God wants to give us. As we look at that and, and as we see that, and we see that in Jonah chapter 2, we'll also discover the transforming power of God when we finally get to the point in our lives when we totally surrender. We'll talk about that. We'll see that in Jonah's, in Jonah's prayer that he prays. And as we're looking at all of it, I just want to encourage us to think of it as a mirror that we see the reflection of our own lives as we look at Jonah's life. What does Jonah's life have to teach us about our own life? What's the, what's the reflection? What's the thing that we need to learn? Whether we're making choices that are resulting in discipline, whether uh, that's our choices, the choices of others. Maybe there's something that's hindering God's grace working in our lives that we're hanging on to. Maybe there's, we're in a, in a difficult season. Maybe we're, we're struggling and, and we need to just remember today that God can be our yet in the storm. Sometimes, as I said, and this is something that we'll see throughout this second chapter, sometimes, again, God needs to do a work in us before he can do a work through us. Heavenly Father, today, as we look at this second chapter, I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would open our minds. Help us, God, to see the reflection of Jonah's life in our own. God, help us to see in Jonah's life things that we can apply to our own. God, help us, challenge us, teach us. Help us, Father, today get to the point where we recognize, God, that you want to do something in us so that eventually, God, that you can do something through us. Father, we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would throw out to us as we get started today, right before I read, read the scripture, that maybe you're here today and the thing that you will see in Jonah's story is that just like Jonah, as he that, that in the belly of this fish, in his distress, he finally calls out to the Lord and, and he finds salvation in the Lord. That maybe today, if you've never put your faith in Christ, that this can be the day that you make that decision. You make that decision to cross that line of faith. I'm going to give you a chance at the end. We'll pray together. And if you'd like to invite Christ to be your Savior, I would invite you to do that. Think about that. See what God's saying to you today as we look at God's word. Now, let me start at the end of where we left off, the final verse from last week. Again, remember, Jonah was running away from God. He gets on a ship. He's running the opposite direction of where God told him to go. He's running in disobedience. He's going the opposite direction. God sends a storm. Uh, they finally, they try to, try to weather the storm. They can't, and so they finally throw Jonah over the side Immediately the, the sea, the, the storm stops, and this is what happens at uh, the end of chapter 1. It's really the second part of Jonah's discipline. We see the storm, and now we see what happens in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. And the Lord anointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So get started. I just want to remind us, who sent the storm? It was God. Again, who sent the fish? What did God say? What does it say? That God appointed a great fish. God sent the fish. God sent the storm. God sent the fish. And now here is Jonah in the belly of the whale. It's, it's chapter 2 with Jonah praying this prayer. And again, as he prays this prayer, I want us to see how God is working in Jonah, getting him ready 
as he works in him to get him ready to work through him. So here we are, Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. Just look at the, the way he's describing as he's thrown over to the side of the boat, and he's, he's sinking into the sea, how he's describing what's going on. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. The flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple." The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. Let's look back and kind of dig a little bit into the text. Let me read those first couple verses. And then Jonah prayed to the Lord as God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. If, you'll hear, if you were here last week, you, uh, and if you, maybe you're familiar with Jonah chapter 1, what you notice, I don't know if I said it or not, but what you notice is that, that Jonah doesn't pray to God, we have any record of it, in chapter 1. Even though the storm is raging, even though you know, their, their lives are in danger, we don't see Jonah praying to God. Now the other sailors on the ship, they, they served different gods. They, uh, they all you know, didn't serve the one true God, but they had God, you know, gods. Uh, false gods, but they were praying to their gods, Scripture says. It says that the captain of the ship goes down into the hole of the, of the ship and wakes, Jonah was asleep. How could you sleep during the storm? But he wakes uh, Jonah up and he says to him, you need to pray to your God. So through all of that, he doesn't pray. But now here we see in chapter 2, finally, now I, I, I don't know about you, but it seems to me he should have been praying prior to this, but he finally does start praying as he's swallowed by, by this fish. Says, out of his distress, God hears him. So he prays out of his distress. And our distress at times will finally drive us to pray. How many of us, uh, we're going through life and we're going through a tough time and going through a tough time, we're trying to do it on our own, trying to do it on our own, and, and we're just, we're trying to figure it out on our own. And then finally, when we get to that lowest point in our distress, finally, before we're too hard on Jonah, We've all been to that point where we finally turn to God. And we finally, in our distress, pray. And what, look what it says. And he answered me. God answers Jonah. He says, out of the belly of Sheol. So that, that, that Sheol is just a figure of speech. Out of the depths of the sea, out of the chaos of the sea. Jonah's referring to the realm of the dead. Like, I'm a dead man. It, it, it's, it, if, if I were to give my 
you know, version, if I were to, my translation of the text, I might say, uh, my life flashed in front of my eyes, and then I finally, you know, that idea of, you know, cheating death and your life flashing in front of your eyes, and then finally I prayed. And what happens? He answered me. Notice in verse 3 it says, for you cast me into the deep. Now I thought, if we go back to verse, chapter 1, I thought that it was the, the guys, the sailors that threw him into the ocean. But yet, Jonah says, you cast me into the deep. And what he's referring to is just his acknowledgement that this is part of God's plan. That you, God, even though these men threw me over, that this is part of the discipline that you're bringing into my life. That this is something you're teaching me because what are we saying through what we look at today that sometimes God needs to do something in us before he can do something through us. And so he's doing something in Jonah and he recognizes, Jonah does, that God cast me into the sea. That God was behind it. Notice what else he acknowledges in those next verses. Your waves and your billows passed over me. So here he is, he's sinking in the water, and it's your what you threw me in, and it's your waves and your billows. This is you. The NLT says, translates it this way from the original language. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. So this is not a Gilligan's Island moment. If you, if you, anybody know Gilligan's Island? And they, the, they set sail on a ship that day and how's it go? Da, 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 on a three-hour tour. <laughs> and, 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 you know, as happenstance, they go on this three-hour tour and there's a storm that comes. Some of you have no idea. You don't know. You've never seen Gilligan's Island. Okay. Some young people. Okay. If you're old and have gray hair like me or no hair like some of you, uh, tell, the, tell a young person next to you what goes island is later. Uh, but they went on this tour, and, and there was a storm that comes and blows them onto this desert, deserted isle, island where you know, a five-year-old could have gotten off. Who knows why they couldn't? But anyway, that's a whole other story. And, and they, that's a, it's like this random series of events. This was not. He's acknowledging this is not a random series of events. God orchestrated this. God sent the waves. God sent the storm. God hurled the storm. We saw last week from the, that, those original language. These are God's waves. These are your waves. This is your wind. It's your fish. You sent it all. And now the fish has swallowed Jonah. Why? Because he's disciplining Jonah. He's trying to teach Jonah something. Because sometimes, and we need to get this. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. That we need to remember that God always has a purpose in his discipline. Because sometimes God needs to do something in us before he does something through us. It's the, kind of the mantra that we want to get today. God has a purpose in his discipline, and he's disciplining Jonah. And we don't like to hear that about God because we just like to focus on the fact that we serve a, a wonderful God and he's loving and he's merciful and he's long-suffering and he's got a second chances and all that. And all of that's true, but he also at times disciplines those he loves. And sometimes when we continue to, to choose our own way and to run away from God, that because God does not want to give up on us and does not give up on us, sometimes he brings discipline in our lives to bring us back, to teach us something, to do something in us so that he can do something eventually through us. 
Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 6 says it this way, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So again, God wasn't ready to give up on Jonah. And even though in chapter 1 we see him getting on a ship and running the opposite direction, God is a God of second chances, and he's giving, giving uh, Jonah a second chance. For the same reason, parents, you discipline your own children. Because you want to help them, and you want to show them, and you want to teach them something. You want to help them learn so they can be good, productive citizens, lovers of Jesus, all those things. And you, because you love them, you discipline them. And we all know what happens when children have no discipline. What happens? And God at times, even though it's hard for us to take, God at times, for our good, disciplines us. But there's always, always, always a purpose to the discipline. And through this, this book of Jonah, we will see God in several ways teaching Jonah, helping Jonah, doing work in him so that he can eventually, we will see, do work through him. Romans reminds us that God works together for those who love him according to his purpose and live according to his purpose. That he wants to do something in us. Every storm isn't necessarily discipline, but God can use storms to discipline us. And that's exactly what he was doing here in Jonah chapter, in, in what's going on with Jonah. Look at verse 4. And then I said, I have, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Now last week, we, if you were here, we talked about some of the bad theology that Jonah had. And that bad theology, some of that bad theology that Jonah had was that, that, that he could escape God's presence, that he could run away from God. He told the other sailors, I'm running away from the presence of God. But we know, because our theology is better than Jonah's, we know that you can't run away from God. And that's a really good thing, just sidebar, that we can never get, we can never run so far. We can never be so disobedient that God will not hear that cry like Jonah's cry in our distress that he won't come and answer that prayer. Jonah, what does Jonah say? We see, again, more of this bad theology. He says, I am driven away from your sight. Now, we may feel that sometimes. Have you ever felt like that God was far away? Have you ever felt like that, that God, God had turned his back on you? Maybe that God didn't see you with whatever's going on in your life? And even though we might feel that, that's not true. It's not what's actually going on. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 139, starting in verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? He's talking, the psalmist says to God, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. And that's, remember, this is where he talked about Sheol. Now Jonah did. And what does the psalmist say? If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So even in distress, we can reach out to God. 
And that's exactly what Jonah does. He's hanging on to hope because notice what he says. He says, yet I will again look upon your holy temple. He's holding on to hope that one day he's going to get out of this. It's, his circumstances are going to change. He's going to go back. I'm going to, I'm going to look upon God in his temple. God's going to rescue me out of this distress. He's hanging on to hope. God is his yet. Verse 5 and 6, and the waters closed in over me to take my life, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, there's that word again, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And Jonah, just like us, again, Jonah is this reflection that we look at Jonah's life and we see our own life, and we also have been like he is. And we, we, we have the same emotion that he's experiencing because we have been in, that, in, the, in those times where we're on the spiritual high on one moment, just trusting God, and, and God seems near, and then we're down in some valley. And that's where Jonah is. He's now in this valley in verse 5. He, he's talking about this, the waters are cl- have closed in around me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Imagine him sinking down into the sea. As he sinks down into the, into the sea, he describes weeds, seaweed wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountain. Now you've got mountains on land, but where are the roots? Where's the foundation of the mountains? You go below the sea and in the bottom of the sea, those are the roots. There's the foundation of the mountains. And he says, I, I've, I've sunk down into that place, down to the roots of the mountains. And this is where his disobedience has landed him. And now as he's, he's in this season of discipline in the belly of the fish, He's experiencing despair. Despair. He's in the depths of despair, but even in the depths of despair where he's, he's, he's wondering if he's going to survive, but even there, there's a yet. He says it again. Yet you brought me up from the pit. Yet. Yet my God will rescue me. Jonah still has that, that hope. That God would rescue him. That God is at work in him to to do something, to bring him out of this this despair. And again, if you're taking notes, I just want to encourage you to write down that thought. We can learn, again, as we're reflecting and looking at Jonah's life and what can we learn on our own. That we need, like him, to find hope in our yet. Jonah found hope in his yet. And as yet was, was God. And I don't know what's going on in your life as you come here today. I don't know what's gone on in your life. I don't know what the storm that you've been in or the storm that you are in. And none of us know on the other side of the horizon the storm that we will one day be in. But know as we are in that storm that as we turn to God that we can never run from his presence. That he loves us and even in those moments when it seems dark and it seems like everything's closing in around us as Jonah describes that in that moment we can choose to let God be our yet. Yet 
Jonah identifies the source of his hope. Yet you brought me up from the pit. Yet you are my Lord. Yet you are my God. Verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. I said my prayer and I know it came to you. I know you heard my prayer. I was fainting away, but then I remembered you, Lord. I remembered my yet. At my lowest point, when my hope was almost gone, my yet intervened. I remember the Lord. My prayer came to you. Again, God was Jonah's yet. Is God your yet? And in those moments when, like Jonah, we make the choice in the depths to cry out to God, to put our hope in God, to, to, to put our hope that God in our pain and our struggle, that he will be our yet. Can we do that? Will we do that? Can we learn as we look at Jonah's life and it reflects truths into our own? Can we trust our God to be our yet? Look at verse 8. And those who pay regard to vain idols forsake the hope, the hope of steadfast love. Uh, Jonah's people, the Jews, had a history, a long history of idolatry. Of, of they, they, they wanted to, to have the blessings of God's protection and provision of being God's chosen people. But, but then they also wanted to adopt the, the false idols of the people that surrounded them. They wanted to, they wanted to have a, a hand in both camps. They wanted to, 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 to be like, you know, to please the people around them, the surrounding nations. But they also hang on to God. And God said, no, that's not that it the way it works. Your loyalties can't be divided. You need to, you need to trust me. You need to serve me. You need to, I, I want you to be my people. And God had warned them that they couldn't have it both ways. They needed to get rid of the idol worship and stop worshiping the idols of the people that surrounded them that they had adopted. And God had warned them. And here Jonah's saying, you can't hang on to those false idols because when you do that, you forsake God's steadfast love. That Hebrew word that's translated steadfast love is, is hesed. It said is God's loyal love. It's his covenant love. It's the grace of God. We see it throughout scripture where God promised to be their people or to be their God and to, to help his people, to love them. God's people instead were at this moment in Jonah in the history that we see here, they were choosing these false idols, this idol worship. And he says that you can't choose to continue to hang on to that idol worship and expect to, to live in the blessing of God's favor and his love, his hesed. And Jonah, what we see here, he teaches us to exchange our worthless idols for God's faithful, steadfast love. And so in the belly of the fish, Jonah finally had to choose. He had to lay down his idols. He had to lay down the idol of his rebellion that rebellion that was cutting him off from the presence of God, the grace of God. Jonah needed to exchange that worthless idol for God's grace. And again, if you're taking notes, write that down. That we, like Jonah, need to exchange our worthless idols that we hang on to for God's grace. Because again, sometimes God needs to do a work in us before he can do a work through us. And God is trying to work in Jonah. And so as we think about that, how that reflects in our own life as we think about maybe what idols we might be hanging on to ask yourself is there maybe something that I'm hanging on to that's taking priority over God maybe it's a thing or an activity or a line of thinking is there something that get, 
gets in the way of my time with the Lord, knowing him, spending time with him, serving him. Maybe that's an idol. Is there something that I'm hanging on to that doesn't reflect God's values, the truth that we find in God's word, but I'm hanging on to it. It's an idol for me. It doesn't reflect what scripture teaches, but I'm hanging on to it. And so to ask ourselves that whatever we're hanging on to, does it promote love and compassion and humility and kindness? Does I hang on to it? Does it lead me away from living in holiness before the Lord? Or maybe to ask yourself, is there something I'm hanging on to that impacts my inner peace and my joy in this life? That I'm hanging on to something that might give me temporary pleasure, but as I hang on to it, it leaves me empty and anxious or dissatisfied. As we look at Jonah's prayer with him, let's exchange our idols for God's grace. In these final verses, look at verse 9. With the voice of thanksgiving, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And so what, does, what do we see that Jonah does here at the end? He decides, I'm going to offer sacrifices to the Lord. I'm going to do that with thanksgiving. I'm going to do that with praise. And then secondly, he says, it talks about he resolves to pay the vow that he's made before God. Do you know what a foxhole prayer is? prayer you pray in the foxhole as the battle is about to happen it's the god if i survive this battle i'll you know whatever i'll give my life whatever it is do you think jonah prayed a belly of the whale belly of the fish kind of prayer is this his prayer god okay if you get me out of this as he's in the belly of the fish if you get me out of this dilemma if you get me out of this storm of my life i will go to nineveh i know you told me to go to nineveh before but i will go i promise if you get me out of this is that the vow do you think that's the vow he says that i will repay my vow and he finally comes to the point of acknowledging that salvation only comes from the lord it's been said that this is one of the that little phrase, one of the greatest summaries of, of, of truth that we find in Scripture, those little words, salvation only comes, or salvation belongs to the Lord. The sleepy, rebellious, prodigal prophet humbled himself and calls out to God, God, salvation comes from you and you alone, and I'm, I'm all in. I surrender, I, I submit my life to you, I've run away, but that's changing, and if you just give me another chance. And again, if you're taking notes, this final little point, we need to fully, like Jonah did, embrace obedient submission. God had sent a storm. God had sent a fish. Jonah finally learns the lesson because God is, hasn't given up on him. He's committed to do something in Jonah so that he can do something through Jonah and Jonah. And he's disciplining Jonah and Jonah's finally getting the memo. And we see here in chapter 2 his prayer. And, he, and we get that sense that he's giving himself back to God. That he's turning back to God in his desperation that God you are my yet. You can deliver me from this. And as you deliver me from this, I'm, I'm submitting to you. I'm embracing you. I'm surrendering my life to you. And it was that act of total desperation that finally helps Jonah to turn. Tim Keller said this, You never realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And Jonah lived before Jesus came to this earth. But in a similar way, Jonah is giving his life to God 
Because now God, as he's in the belly of this fish, it's all he has. It's the only hope that he has, and he gives himself to God. He cries out to God. Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jonah, we see, comes to that point of total surrender. I remember my own life. When I finally, as a young person, came to that point of absolute total surrender, I still remember the day. I've told you about that day. And it was in that, at that moment when I totally gave my life, and God, whatever you want for me, whatever your plan is, I'm, I'm in. I'll do whatever you want me to do. That was a life-changing moment for me. Today's your day. Have you surrendered your life to him? And notice, as he does that then, as he surrenders, submits, notice what happens, verse 10 And the Lord, the last verse, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited. Do you not just love the ESV? The the fish vomited. Some of you have those those, those other versions that say, maybe it spat him up, or he, or you know, some other word. I love the ESV. He vomited Jonah up. Uh, on land, just you just get the the visual. You get the visual of 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 what it looks like to be vomited up by. Okay, you got that kind of thinking about him walking up on the <laughs> then on the beach, uh, having uh, finished that experience, all the pain, all the grief, all the things he could have avoided, both for him and the sailors in the boat, and all of that if he had just done what God said to begin with. And how many of us? That's our story. How many of us have to continue to learn the same? God tries to discipline us and try to teach us the same lesson over and over and over. We're in the remedial class again. Because God, before he can do a work in us or through us, he needs to do a work in us. God wasn't giving up on Jonah. And as he gets to that point of total surrender, then, then he spits him up. And we're going to see that Jonah now heads to Nineveh. We'll get to that in subsequent weeks. But here at the end of the journey, I invite our worship team to come back up. And I just want to invite you to think about what we've talked about. Are you, do you feel like you're in some season of discipline or some storm in your life? Maybe it was because of some choices you made or maybe some choices of people around you. What's God trying to teach you? There's a purpose in that. That God can use that to teach us something, to do something in us so that then eventually he can do something through us. Is there some idol, some thing in this world that you're hanging on to and you're exchanging that thing, whatever it is, for God's grace? Maybe today you can just get rid of that. Embrace God's grace. Maybe today that you're in some, such a desperate situation that that you, like Jonah, just need to surrender. And today, look to God as you're yet. And he may feel far away, but he's not. It's just bad theology. God loves you. He's here for you. He's here today. He brought you here to remind you that he loves you. And he's not given up. Will you trust him today? Will you let him be your yet today? And finally, I would say to you that if maybe you've never, as I said at the beginning give you a chance. If you've never invited Christ to be your Savior, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Uh, I think we got a QR code we could put up on the screen. If you today are making a decision to follow Christ, you can use your phone and use this QR code. And we'd love to send you some resources. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to help you in that journey. But I'm going to pray in just a minute. And as I pray, if you've never invited Christ to be your Savior, I would encourage you to do that. 
you like, like Jonah in, this, in a place finally maybe of desperation, find redemption like he did, salvation in surrender. So Father, today, I pray that you would help us to remember those words of Matthew. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Father, I pray that you'd help us to walk on this path of surrender and trust, absolute submission to you, God. God, I pray that you'd work in us today. God, is there something that we need to give up? There's some idol that we need to lay down and embrace fully your grace. Is there some desperate situation that we need to just, just, just acknowledge, God, that even though we don't sense it in the moment, God, that you're here with us. That, God, we choose to trust that you, God, you're my yet today. I'm going to trust you today. I can't see it. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm like Jonah, I'm going to trust you. God, thank you. And finally, God, I pray for that person today that's embracing your son as their savior for the very first time, surrendering, admitting their sin, repenting of that sin, and today saying, God, I, I can't do it on my own anymore. I, I just lay my junk down. I lay my idols down, and I embrace your son as my savior. God, thank you for what you're doing in lives and hearts today. In the name of Christ, we pray.